That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I know exactly where you are. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to episode number two of Millennial Money. We got me, Kevin, Andre, Jeremy from Financial Education, Graham, Stefan. What's up, everybody? The market crashed today. Let's talk. <laughs> it did. That was a wild ride. This morning when I woke up around like seven o'clock, I always check my phone. That's the first thing I do. And when I saw the number, I was like almost in disbelief. Like, what happened? What did I miss this morning? So immediately I go to go to the website, see what's going on. Is, yeah. is it like your portfolio that you checked? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this was, I think I, actually this is the single biggest drop I've ever seen in a day in my portfolio. I think it was almost a hundred grand. Wow. Which wow. I know for you, Kevin, that's like an hour or two. <laughs> but uh, I took my Bitcoin oh, today, and I was like, "Oh my god!" It went down from like seven twenty to six hundred thousand ish. It's floating around. Oh yeah, I bought a little Bitcoin last uh, night. It's like one oh, in the morning, and it went down to like what was it, uh, four forty five, something like that. And I bought, put ten k in. I'm gonna average wow. into Ethereum. I need more Ethereum in my life. Just you got, man, Andre, man, what's your Bitcoin? Didn't we, did I ask you this last time? How much are you in crypto relative to everything else? I mean, based on the way you talk about it, it sounds like you're like big on Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, at least 50% more on crypto than, wow. than dividend stuff. Yeah. That's crazy. No. It, it, uh, what did you think this morning? Uh, uh, Jeremy, feel free to jump in here as well. I, I got to know. I mean, Graham, well, you woke up at seven. You saw a big red arrow. Andre, you saw your crypto down. Uh, it's weird. I actually don't. I never look at my actual portfolio when I wake up because it's like in four or five different places. I just start scrolling down Weeble and looking at the individual stocks and I'm like, oh, damn, CCIV. Oh, damn, Tesla. Oh, da oh damn, everything. <laughs> phase. End phase mm. was a massive like got destroyed loser this for 150. Yeah, like why? Absolute yeah. destruction, like crazy. Yeah. What, what did you think, Mr. Stock Guy Jeremy? Yeah, dude, I was so mad because I just found out a few hours ago that I missed some tremendous deals in the market because I was sleeping, man. No. Ah. Yes. So I, I bought some stocks today, but I didn't get them. Like, for instance, I had no clue. CRSR Corsair Gaming, yep. a new stock of mine. It hit 33 today, and I was buying at 37 after I woke up. I was like, oh, 37, that's a good deal. And then I saw I was at 33. I'm like, are you kidding me? you got to be flipping my flapjacks. And then another <laughs> another good example, TTCF, Tattooed Chef, was at $18 today. I'm like, I bought yep. it 20. I'm like, I could have got it at 18. Are you kidding me? It's uh, so weird. It, it just like the, the numbers we saw, but – what, what's so crazy about it is we saw the numbers. It was like a flash crash. I, I was live streaming during the market open and the market opened 
it's like, oh, okay, the market, it's down a lot, it's down a lot. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh crap, it's going down, it's going down. It's just like red candles, red candles, red candles. And I'll tell you, within 20 minutes, I think actually it was probably within like 13 minutes, we started seeing green, 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 and building up. It was the craziest, it was like a Larry Kudlow V-shaped recovery. Like we're, we're, in, a, we're in a V, we're in a V. Oh, I guess that's too Donald Trumpy. But uh, it was crazy how fast it like jumped back up. Like the appetite to buy stocks on sale is so high. It, yeah. I mean, it gave me some faith in the market that obviously people have a lot of money out there, but then on the flip side, I'm like, where the heck are people getting all this money from? What do you guys think? What, what do you guys think happened to, why, why did that happen? Was it yeah. something that the Fed said? I think it was the 10 year, 10 year treasury. It's been going up. I think people are afraid of inflation and that sure. means rising interest rates and that's gonna kind of put a damper on the stock market. So I think it was just this accumulation of a sell off that prompted other people to begin selling prompted right. other people to begin selling. Once people got note of this, like what I do is I look at my portfolio and I see what's down the most. And then I think to myself, yeah. do I want to add more to that? Yes, right. right. Yes, just buy more. Jerome so, Powell's like, wait guys, chill out. No, no, inflation's yeah. under control, I swear. It's really soft right now. And I think some of that may have been just speculation about him talking later today. And of right. course, if the market drops, he's going to be like, no guys, it's fine. The money printer, it's still working. Right. We got it running on overdrive. It's okay. And it literally, and then some of these stocks even closed positive for the day, just right after yeah. we spoke, everyone right. started buying back in. It was nuts. Well, one of the reasons Bitcoin went, reason went down yeah. is because of Janet Yellen and what's his face? Elon. Okay. Elon. Yeah. Elon's, Elon's like, oh, saying, I think it's expensive. <laughs> it's like, he yeah, just wants to buy more on the Dylan, though, I don't know. I feel like a little bit with the cryptos, I kind of feel like she's pulling a boomer on us with the percent. <laughs> she hasn't wrapped her head around this yet because she said herself she knows that the fed is working on their own stable coin but i think they started working on a stable coin after she was the chairwoman so she's never really been part of that so she leaves the fed goes on the speaking circuit you know getting paid whatever 20 30 grand per per talk event or whatever at goldman sachs or whatever they do now she's coming back in first few weeks on the job. We're in a different world. She's getting asked about crypto. I think she has no effing clue. I mean, like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I think she, some of the stuff she says is right on point, but I think she's just clueless. I feel like she says things she just figured out. She's like, guys, Bitcoin is not efficient. It's not a good currency. And it's like, oh my God, where was this lady? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like she's just figuring it out. Like that was the narrative in 2017. Like, yeah, we know. Thanks, Janet. <laughs> and then Elon's like, it's too expensive. And he buys it. All right, we're good now. It's not too expensive anymore. <laughs> that, yeah. that would be hilarious. Yeah. I want to know. So what's your I, – I know this this argument is going around for, for years about Bitcoin's energy usage, for example. Andre, how do you dispute it, though? I started, I, I took one of my computers, the, the, Lauren, the Lauren, she's been feeling a little nauseated lately. She's going through these, these treatments. And so she hasn't been playing Rust with me. So I'm like, okay, fine. If you're not going to use your gaming computer, I'm going to mine Bitcoin with it. Well, right. now I go in the garage and it's a freaking sauna in there. And it usually isn't. Okay? Right. Like, come on, man. This stuff is firing on all cylinders. This There's no and way I'm mining you... like three dollars a day. Okay. <laughs> really? What, what kind of computer do you have? Is it like a super high end one? No. <laughs> like I got it for nine hundred dollars on sale on Amazon. 
Hmm. Oh wow, okay. Uh, Cause yeah, I mean, I know that people are using the ant miners to mine. I don't even remember like S13s now or whatever they're up to now. Yeah. But I didn't know you could still mine Bitcoin off of like the normal GPUs. Yeah, it's some I think it's like an AMD sixteen hundred or something like that. I like I, hmm. I, it's totally just a joke. But I'll tell you, the it's sucking power. It's pr I wouldn't be surprised if I net it out, especially if I run it during the day. I'm probably losing money because I'm probably paying like thirty five cents a kilowatt hour during the day with with all the ACs we're yeah. running. So it's probably a mistake. Uh, we'll see. But uh, well, apparently, like, how do you find that? Apparently, 74% of Bitcoin, I didn't know what percentage it was, so I had to just look it up. 74% of Bitcoin's energy comes from renewable resources. So that's kind of interesting. That is interesting. So, I mean, it's not as much of a power suck as people think it is, I'm assuming. Unless uh, that that bit you know that energy could be going to something it could could be powering you know houses and now the houses are having to use gas instead so it probably That's i don't true. know the jury's probably still out on that one a little bit so mm -hmm. you're mining bitcoin now kevin well i mean i don't know what's going on now but now i'm at a rate of only i don't know why it went to euros but i'm at a rate of one euro 87 right now it fluctuates mm -hmm. all the time it's so annoying <laughs> Hey, that's why your internet was so bad last night on uh, Clubhouse, and you kept breaking. Oh. You're trying to mine. You're trying to mine Bitcoin with the little computer. <laughs> dishing, dishing out the the, the Bitcoin slams. <laughs> no, you got me. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, probably. That's <laughs> all that that hashing going on. I don't know yes. though. Like, is is uh is is Jerome like Graham? You kind of yeah. just hit on something. You're like. You know, the market's bad. Jerome comes and says everything is fine. Do you think he adjusts based on what the market is doing? Or do you think that's what he's going to say anyway? Oh, gosh. I mean, the the probable answer is he's going to say that anyway. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's going in there being like, oh, how is the market today? All right, I'm going to speak it uh, right before the market closes. Let, <laughs> let me tell everyone it's okay not to panic. It does seem like he's tailored uh, what he's going to say around the current stock market just to ease people's concern. Because he did hit on every point that people worried about inflation, rising yields, um, and uh, rising rates. And he hit on all the points that, like, don't worry, guys, we're going to keep rates low for quite some time until, until we meet our target. Um, which... But he didn't sound too confident, though, about the whole economy and the job sector. He's like, yeah, we've got still a long way to go. So he's not I paying think that. I think that is a bullish sign that yep. we have a long way to go, meaning the stock market's here right now. We got yep. a long way to go. It's interesting because I think it could be perceived both ways. So that way, if we do go down, it's like, I told you guys, we still had a long way to go. Be careful. And it's if we just go an up, excuse. It's, it's just it's, an excuse to keep rates uh, really low. That's what it is at the end of the day. It's like, oh, we still got high unemployment. I've seen Yellen do the same thing. And then they're just, you know, obviously keep rates low. So, and then this an morning, yeah. this morning with the stocks dropping huge, I think it's just there's a lot of funds that have really tight stop losses on. And uh, I think that's why we got such a fast sell-off so fast. I, and when you got that many stop losses and the market's going down that fast, it's triggering and triggering. And then it's like one one leads to another, more selling, more selling, more selling. And then magically things recovered. I don't know how, but it did. It hit a point where people just started buying in enough. Where I think it may have triggered some people to take a close look at this. Like end phase would have been one where had I seen that at like 155 and I missed it barely. Uh, I would have bought a significant amount of end phase back then. Um, missed it though, and then I saw it. And you know, this is my fault for trying to time this one. But uh, but I have a lot, I have too much in end phase anyway. But 
Are you buying more Tesla, Jeremy? Uh, not at the moment, although I didn't, I was, once again, I was asleep. I saw it hit 619 today. I would have been tempted to, but no, I didn't buy any today. So for anybody who doesn't have exposure to Tesla like me and I want to buy some, do you recommend it at this point or do you, are you still cautioning people? I feel like you, if you have a 10 year outlook, yes. But I feel like I've, my personal feeling, like I could feel like Tesla could easily fall 20, 30%. And um, you can still make an, uh, an argument that the valuation's rich. Um, so you really have to have a super long-term outlook, kind of like I do, where it's like, I'm holding that stock. I plan to not sell it for the next five, 10 years. If you got the outlook, I think there's there's definitely a possibility to make money there. I mean, there's there's people that think, you know, truly believe that company's going to five, 10 trillion over time, you know, with the autonomous taxi network. It's still hard for even me, yeah, to wrap my head around that. But, you know, we'll see. It's amazed me so far. Yeah. Reading the chat, Kevin, I think I just saw you uh, respond to that. The Vlad, uh, Vlad's on uh, Portnoy's. Like, everyone yeah. wants to react to it. I, I don't know how you no, guys I, feel about that. It might be rehashing more of the same stuff, though. It, yeah, I mean, we, we, I, I'm happy to pull it up. It's just, uh, you know, I, I, I'm kind of tired of hearing from Vlad right now. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, what do you I guys think? Him, uh, Clear Value did one with Vlad. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, just I read it. I don't what think we're going to hear anything new. I mean, that's the thing. If we react to Vlad, it's going to be the same. There's nothing going to be revolutionary happening right now that we haven't already heard. So Right, right. So, uh, okay. Well, on Tesla, though. So did any of you add to Tesla? I uh, I have to say I, uh, I, I, I bought some more. I may, oh. have, <laughs> I may have seen my portfolio value plummet today and at the same time i may have increased my margin so at the oh. same time i may have taken my my margin of safety down even even narrower by burning the candle at both ends of the stick i can't do that i can't buy more tesla i have too much in tesla relative to every other stock and like logically i feel like i shouldn't be over concentrated in tesla is that the kevin o'leary in you no it's just i don't <laughs> want to place it all. I, i've seen how volatile tesla has been and I don't want to like, why take the risk at that point? I'd rather just like consistent, steady growth over 10 years than these huge swings up and down. But that's just my style. I don't, I don't have the risk tolerance that you do. Like I would, I, I wouldn't pull on margin. I saw your margin call. Was that real? You got margin called or? Funny. <laughs> oh no, I, I stole that screenshot. Oh, okay. Else. But it is, it's, it was cute. It's I like like, that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I saw that and I just died laughing. Did, did you guys see that? Look at my Instagram story. Oh yeah, it's, it's <laughs> fantastic. I loved it. That was one of the funniest I've seen in a while. You. <laughs> I love it. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I mean, like, I think honestly that would be like the worst is to ever get a margin call because it's like, damn it, now I have to sell something, you know, right. uh, and, and it's going to be a rough time that you're selling it in. So I want to always stay away from that. But yeah, I mean, look, Jeremy, you're talking about this 30% crash in potential Tesla stock. Why would you think this thing's going to go down to 400 bucks again or something? I don't, but it could. <laughs> so yeah, let me be very clear. I wouldn't predict that, but I mean, I think it could, you know what I mean? Like it, you saw today, it fell to 619. And we haven't even really like had a true like bleeding of the market, right? I mean, mm. that's not even like a like we haven't even had like a big down cycle for the market. Like if if you imagine, like let's say hypothetically the market fell another 10, 15%, Tesla's mm -hmm. at 400 bucks. You know what I mean? Because Tesla's gonna move down dramatically more in the market. Like the Nasdaq goes down two percent, Tesla goes down six to eight percent, right? 
on, sure. the, on the flip side, as a market goes up, you know, Tesla usually outperforms the market and does really good. So I wouldn't predict that it goes down or anything like that. But if, if it went down to 400, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, look what look what happened when, um, you know, the big crash happened. Look at how far that stock fell. I think it fell, I want to say 60% or so. Yeah, but what catalyst? I mean, that was there. That was like world-ending panic that we had in the middle of March. I mean, are we going to get that again? I mean, who knows? But what do you think? That yeah, again? I fear people sell prices stocks at really bad prices. I've seen it time and time again, right? Um, you know what I mean? Like it's just it happens. There's, there was people selling today. You know, whether it be funds or individual investors that were selling some, you know, stocks that I think were a deal and a half already. And we're going out there and selling today. Like Corsair Gaming, I think that stock's a deal. And people were selling it at 33 today, 34, 35. It's like- Hasn't that stock though had its growth? I mean, isn't it possible that they've they've had their run? Okay, they had their their jump from COVID gaming sales. You know, gaming's all the rage now. But I mean, you know, isn't their growth just going to taper out here? Is, is, oh, you've offended well, Jeremy now. Watch out. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, a gaming market is going to continue to grow for probably decades, right? Like, I mean, that market's not going to slow anytime soon. If anything, I see it accelerating. And, um, you know, I saw an interesting post the other day. It was uh, talking about the $1,400 stimulus check coming, right? And it was talking about, you know, 90% of gamers make less than $100,000 a year. So the, the high majority of gamers are going to get that $1,400 stimulus check. Do we think a little bit of that money is going to funnel into Corsair Gaming? Maybe a little extra than than what is usually funneled in? Probably, I would say. And I, I feel like ninety yeah. percent of all people make less than a hundred grand, though. <laughs> yeah, <that's probably> <laughs> <true>. <laughs> touche. Okay, but that's not the point. Yeah. Kevin, that's not the point. It's about gamers. <laughs> okay. Okay. True. Okay. Right. I agree. People play video games, though. I feel like ninety percent of people play video games. <laughs> Probably. So it's like just across the board, it's ninety percent. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. What's your video game choice right now, Kevin? What are you playing? I I'm so deep on Rust, man. It's it's bad. It's the most toxic game ever. It's like the most. Uh, like unappreciative game in the world, but I've been playing with with uh, like I just put a message out in Discord. I'm like, hey, who plays Rust? And ever since we've we've created this group of like, oh, ten to twelve like really loyal people. Every time I log on, like yesterday, I log on and and they like three x the size of our base, and they got like this ramp for us to drive a car. It's like Rust is this post apocalyptic shooter where you start naked with a rock. And and then you have to like you build a small house and bigger and bigger and you go around shooting other people. It, it's really it's a first person shooter as a survival game, and it's really really toxic. But lately I've been just addicted to that at night. And, and then you know sometimes I'm up. At, you know Graham, you asked me about this. Sometimes yeah. I'm up and it's like oh crap, it's one a.m. I'm still playing Rust. What's the pre market doing? Oh crap, it's down. Let's go make a YouTube video. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So you just woke up in the market open. You weren't like spidey tingly senses. You're like, wait, I need to make a video. The market's falling. I feel it. Yeah. You know, I it's, sometimes that happens because sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night. It'd be like 4 a.m. and I'll scroll down Weeble and I just see like what's going on. And usually I fall back asleep. Like Saturdays and Sundays, I can't wake up because I scroll right. and like, oh crap, the market's closed. Like this morning, I went from like dead asleep, four hours of sleep to oh crap you know like i was up instantly when i saw that market today but i don't none of you guys play really games right no no not really i need to get back into roomscape uh oh man all <laughs> speaking all of a, nfts yeah. nifties are you guys getting into that at all we got to talk about nfts yeah so Logan Paul. NFTs. oh 
Graham, did you see my NFT video with the Logan Paul clip? Uh, I think I did. The one you made on it, right? The warning against NFTs. Oh, uh, well, yeah, but but the, with the clip from like three years ago where Logan Paul told me yeah, the voiceover. Yeah, voice yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I thought that was cool. <laughs> but yeah, tell me, what do you guys think about this Logan Paul thing? Well, he made $3 million in a day doing it, right? Issuing yeah. tokens. So I don't know. So they're only limited to digital assets, right? Am I, is that correct for me to assume? Or can it be anything really, technically? You know what? We should explain because a lot of people are asking what an NFT what is. Yeah, like non-fungible right. tokens. They're basically tokens that are all unique. You can't like divide them into any smaller pieces, so they're not divisible. And they're, the reason they have value is because they represent a digital asset that has some value that people want to buy. So for example, uh, collectibles market, right? Like we have physical Pokemon cards. I don't have my Pokemon cards on me, but like actual digital tokens that represent art. And so you have these digital artists that basically create what are essentially JPEGs or GIFs that people buy, which is crazy considering the fact that you could literally drag and drop it onto your desktop and you have what they spend tens of thousands of dollars on. And yet we have like this crazy market. There's this, there's this crypto kitty on the Ethereum blockchain. His name is Dragon. And that's like a $1.2 million crypto kitty. So like what people are buying are digital assets. And I guess the appeal is like bragging rights to people to say like, oh, the neon neon meme cat. Like I've, I own the rights to that. And so like it's this, just this crazy market where we're going to have like companies maybe start creating their own like digital merchandise or, I mean, I don't even know where it's going to go, but it's basically it's just think of digital artwork. That's artwork that is digital. You could store it somewhere, but it has your own unique code to it that, that belongs to you. Other people know you bought it and you own that the rights to that digital art. And uh, such a boomer because I'm like, I don't I don't get it, though. But like, I'm one to talk because I spent like 25 grand on Pokemon cards. You know, it's like, it reminds me, do you guys remember a long time ago when the iPhone App Store first came out? There was an app called I'm Rich and it was a thousand dollars and it was just a diamond that showed on your phone. No the point to that was that you were rich enough to buy a totally useless app that just shows a picture of a diamond. That's fine. It reminds me a little bit of that. And I got to say, I don't get, I looked it up on like some of these auctions online for, for NFTs. Yeah. Well, at digital artwork for sale. Yeah. Some of them are just look like Microsoft paint sketches that people yeah. upload and then they just call it, okay, one Ethereum to buy that. And you're, no, I thought the same thing about crypto kitties when they came out, that was over a year ago, like two years ago, I didn't get it. And they're still, they still hold their value and they're increasing in value. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
Like I, I don't. But is this, is this all just potentially a sign that there's so much effing money in the system right now that people are clueless about where to put their money. So it's like, do I want to sit down and do a fundamental analysis on the future cash flow of Square? Or do I want to buy some, you know, digital art that looks cool and yeah, somebody's <laughs> gonna buy more of this in the or pay me more for this in the no, future? I, Is this just the lazyification? I think I just made that work. The lazyification of investing. It's a gold rush right now because I feel like people feel that they're getting in at the beginning. That if they know about this before the average person on the street knows about an NFT, they're going to be able to buy it now and sell it for way more money in the future. And it just relies, the whole market right now is reliant on more people I'm buying so, higher than you. I'm so careful so not to dismiss it. Like, I don't know. I'm so careful not to dismiss things like that because I feel like we fall in the, in the trap of becoming boomers ourselves and be like, I don't get it. And then it's like, maybe it is some new thing in the future that we're yeah. missing. No. It, it, fine. I, yeah. But like, yeah. what's to stop? So, so, and, and I want to give this the time of day. So what is to stop Logan Paul from going, cool, I sold out, I got my four or five million dollars, whatever, whatever. What's to stop Logan Paul from going, yo, yo, designer, let's go round two. Let's go. Let's make another digital art. How do do that? Nothing. Nothing stops it. But yeah. doesn't that dilute the value of the other one? No, because they're each different. Yeah. Who cares if they're different? But like, because it has to dilute the value because if you make one and, and, and then you make another one, in some way, I feel like then people start thinking, well, he's just going to make another one. No. And well, the well, next one could look cooler. They each have value. No, Some it's no looting than like first edition, second edition. It's like clothes. It's like anything, right? You've got first edition, second editions. It doesn't matter. People know but they're. Look, so here's here's an extreme. Let's go extreme. Let's how many for uh, whatever. I'm gonna make up a number. Let's say there are ten thousand first edition Charizards in the world. Okay, we got seven billion people in the world. There's no way that ten thousand Charizards in the world are have going to have the same value as if. Pokemon manufactured 7 billion first edition Charizards in the world. Or even if they were all unique and it's Charizard 1, 2, 3, 4, all the way up to 7 billion. There's no way those first 10,000 are going to be as valuable. That's actually incorrect because they did make further Charizards. So there are whatever, however many there are. So let's say yeah. 10,000. Pokemon sure. has since printed an insane amount of Charizard editions from different different regions, different packs, different artwork, and they still hold their value. If anything, they went up in value. I mean, how much did Logan buy his for? For like 150,000 from Gary? And now what is it worth? Half a million? 300,000 so like, probably, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the number, see, but the problem is, see, there, there are two things that go on at play here. There's, sure, let's say, and we're making this number up, let's say the supply of Charizards was 10,000. Now right. all of a sudden, uh, the, the value of these Charizards goes to, I don't know, 20,000, 50,000, whatever it is. Now Pokemon's like, well, shit, we'll just make... Uh, you know, we'll just print That's another naughty word, 30,000. Naughty word, yeah. Sorry. So we'll just print another 30,000 of them. But what if the demand went up exponentially faster than Pokemon actually printed them? So in theory, yeah, the value would continue to go up then because the demand just kept going up faster than the pace that they were actually printing these first edition Charizards. I missed the argument. What's the argument? So the <laughs> argument is... Okay. I mean, Andre. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We, we will. No, no. It's. It, it's. I, I gotta know the answer. I got. And I gotta know. Here we go. So. Oh, if, here we go. Let, 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 tell, tell me if I'm crazy. <laughs> so 
if we have ten thousand, uh, not ten dollars. If we have ten thousand uh, Charizard cards, and yep. the uh, popularity for these Charizards is, I don't know, I'm going to say a hundred thousand people want the Charizards right now, uh, and then you know the value is is whatever, whatever it is. But uh, this is how many people want it right here, and this is how many there are. Uh, so then the you know we go to well all of a sudden now 10 million people want this so we've 100x in the amount of people who want these cards uh and then pokemon says okay well we're gonna go to 30k charizards so you've really done this right so you've got this exponential growth here but so what you've done is yeah you've printed more the value's gone up but this has gone up 100x this has gone up 3x if this went up 100x would those cards still have their value but I think you're missing an important premise here, which is they can't recreate the originals. That's the whole point. They don't just make the, they can't make the original Charizards anymore because the manufacturing systems aren't in place to recreate that card anyway, which is kind of the same premise of these currencies or these digital tokens is that you cannot recreate the first one. And there's a distinguishing factor on the blockchain that you can tell that this was the first one that he issued. Sure, he can make replicas of it or copies of it with some small variations, but you can't you can distinguish the differences between the first ever release run and the subsequent editions. So I you, you can't. It's got to take time for this market to mature. And I yeah. think it's yeah. Pokemon, uh, Alex Becker actually is making some really good videos about NFTs. And one thing when he compared Pokemon with NFTs is that the Pokemon collectability has, has been over how many years at this point? Like 20 years? And every yeah. year, it's a slow increase. It's never gone from, let's say, $100 to $10,000 in a week. But we're sure. seeing that in NFTs. We're seeing NFTs being bought for like a thousand bucks and immediately being flipped for like ten thousand dollars. Yeah, it's not. It's not a normal market. I so don't disagree that for sure. Yeah, I agree with Alex's argument that he says the market's going to crash. Ninety-nine percent of it is going to be worthless. There's going to be one percent that is going to crash hard. But I think long term, it's going to be valuable. We have no idea which ones to pick. I, I've been trying to research this. I have no clue. It's so but, easy to manipulate. Uh, so let's say, for instance, we have one of these, right? And I come out with it. I could sell it to you, Graham, and make a bunch of publicity and been like, you know, I bought it for a thousand. I just sold to Graham for ten thousand, and really, you maybe didn't even pay me ten thousand dollars for it, right? And then I, you sell it to Andre for a hundred thousand, and maybe you didn't even like, you know, get the money. But we're just all in cahoots on this, increasing the price to continue to increase the price to sell it to somebody else down the road for a really bad price, right? We just want to inflate it, build the hype, hype, hype. And then, you know, whoever has it at the end, you can make, you can do so many different things. Like as far as you see the sales online and it shows yeah. that a certain amount has been transferred into your wallet. So money oh. would have to transfer. There's nothing saying okay. then that like, you couldn't just give me money back on this stock. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. for sure. Jeremy's point still stands, but yeah, it is on the blockchain. It is public, but for sure, people could get together and theoretically be like, "Hey, you've you've got your liquid, uh, Kevin. You got a mill. Let's do this. Let's like let I'll start it off with you. You buy ten thousand dollars of my token, and then Jeremy will buy off a hundred thousand. Graham will spend half a million, and then whatever we'll pump it to a million, and then we'll give back Kevin's original million, and then let's see who's who's the greater sucker. Like you know, who's the greater fool? Like that's for sure a, a definite yeah. criticism so, of that. 
the the traditional art market is super manipulated it's amazing and like this is like 50 times easier to manipulate in my opinion i but, would not be surprised if this is literally like 2017 if you guys remember icos that was a theory yeah. game changing Same. thing icos this is like the ico equivalent to me and you're right i think one percent of it is definitely going to have value which part of that one percent i have no idea i'm guessing the actual legitimate artists like you know if we have somebody like are oh, you guys still hear me uh, yeah, see, we hear you. We just don't see you. Yeah. All right, I'll be right back. Mine, no mine, mine is too much Bitcoin, man. <laughs> like I, I want to, I want to know. Like I, I love, I love the uh, learning about this. Oh, sorry, I went to solo lay it on Andre. I meant to not do that. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, I don't want to do that either. This one. <laughs> there we there go. We go. Uh, okay. So, well, I could just briefly do that. There we go. So. Uh, I like I get what Andre's saying with you can have these these unique tokens and, and that they're all unique, but I, I guess maybe I'm just missing it because at some point people run out of money, right? Like or or do they not? Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, are you guys gonna are you guys gonna go investing into these? Or if it's oh like if it and I want to ask Andre this too, if it's like ICOs, which didn't exactly end well. Is it something we should be cautious of? I would be willing to take a gamble on uh, crypto punks. They're these little what? characters. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> crypto punks. Graham's like, no, guys, let me let me tell you the real deal. Yeah. Like you're buying this right now for thousand dollars. I kid you not. That's fifteen grand, like around there. Um, I think if the market were to crash, I would have no problem being like, all right, I'm gonna throw a thousand bucks in one of these things. See what happens. Gosh, I don't know, man. I'm willing to basically just light that money on fire and just be like, you know what? If it's worth something one day, great. I think it's better to literally make a video on YouTube, you burning a thousand dollars. You'd get way more views and way more likes. <laughs> Wait, but it's so, illegal. Andre, I, I gotta know. Are, are you saying invest in these these or not? Or like stay away, they're dangerous, it's gonna be ICO collapse. Because I, I like, I'm, caution, I'm having so much trouble with this. I would caution ICO, honestly. I like, I, I agree with Graham. One percent of it will will re, will hold value. I mean, it's all going to crash ninety percent, no matter what. But long term, <laughs> we'll find out which ones are the valuable ones. Uh, and like I said, like maybe the metric is going to be like actual artists. Like, what if Mitsuhiro Arita, like the guy who designed Charizard, issues yeah. his own digital version oh, of like one of a hundred? Like people would like eat that up and that would hold value, I'm sure. Or like if Banksy comes along and is like, yeah. hey, you know, I'm going to do my own version of some political statement, then like, yeah, that's going to hold its value. Right. But the, the saddest thing is we actually have to take this realistic. And here's why. I remember the first time I heard of Bitcoin, I said, oh, my gosh, that sounds so stupid. You're, you're telling me I got to trade my real money for fake money. How dumb <laughs> is that? And because of that, now we have to literally take everything realistic forever and the possibility that this could but, be the next big thing. I mean, you know who said that? We said that when we went from like gold to uh, cash, we're like, I'm going to trade in my shiny rocks for paper. That's a <laughs> scam. And yeah. then we went from paper to like these plastic cards. You're telling me I have to give up my paper for this plastic? No, you know, and then we went from plastic to these digital accounts and bank accounts. Like what? That's a scam. So it's like this constant evolution. And if you don't keep up, you're going to get left behind. But there's the problem, like differentiating between the scams and the future of revolutions. And that's the hard part. 
I gotta yeah. ask this. So I see this comment here, and it says that uh, Gary V is going all in on NFTs. Okay, I'm gonna uh, make a possible. I'm gonna make a statement here uh, that is not designed to offend Gary V. I'm just it, it, like part of me. I say the same thing about, uh, and it's, it's, I shouldn't say I say the same thing. I question the same thing with Michael Burry, who's shorting Tesla. Yeah, is Gary V just trying to be right one more time about something? Ooh. <laughs> He's been in NFT before some of the craze. I think he was in it, talking about it, right as it was going up. And he's he's kept the same message from the beginning to now. I think four months ago, no one would have had a clue about NFTs. Also, I don't, also I, don't, I don't think it's fair to like hold Gary to the standard because he has so many wealthy friends that reach out to him and say like, hey, I'm going to do this. So he gets in, like Graham said, at the very beginning, which is not wow. something 99.9% .9 of people will ever even get to do. So even if yeah. Gary turns out to be right to some context, means absolutely nothing to the average person, in my opinion. Hmm. I don't know. I, I mean, sometimes I just wonder that there are people who were really successful like for example you get like the michael burry really successful because of the big short right? right shorting the housing market being right and sometimes i just wonder that these people are throwing all these hail marys to try to just be right again and i'm so skeptical about these nfts that part of me is wondering is is this gary very uh, gary very gary v uh throwing a hail mary or is is does he legitimately see something and i don't know like i like gary v don't get me wrong i'm I'm just wondering, like, can it be both? I miss yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, I think it, I could, I could be both. I think he's right. Ten years from now, you're going to look back and there's going to be some NFTs that are a hundred times what they are today. But I think yeah. 99 percent of people will probably get burned. Yeah, you're, you're going to see a lot of those CNBC articles that are like, if you had invested one thousand dollars into this one thing, you would have. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's your favorite thing. They find one of the years if you had bought this at this day and this month. Yeah. <laughs> so did this would make that money. So true. Wow. I mean, but but nifties. Sorry, sorry to get off the topic. Nifties. I don't know if NFTs or nifties. I call them nifties, but. Yield farming, that's pretty cool. Like, I like that. You guys familiar with yield farming? You mean staking? Like, yeah, staking. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, so for, for anybody unfamiliar, yield farming is basically staking, aka locking up your money into a smart contract for some predetermined amount of time in order to do something that the contract wants to fulfill, which is usually providing liquidity to some entity like a miner or a business. So that they can trade. So, like super fancy words, but kind of like Citadel and Robinhood, right? Like they provide us liquidity with stocks. And all liquidity does is it stabilizes the stock prices because if we didn't have liquidity, then the differences between what Kevin buys his stock and what I buy my stock at would be like crazy, crazy different. So, to stabilize the price, we have to have a lot of trades and exchanges. That's why we have liquidity. But we have market makers like Citadel, which could be obviously problematic for companies like Robinhood because then you have conflict of interests. But what if we were to remove Citadel from the equation and we became Citadel because we are now the market maker, because we are staking our own money or our own assets, whether that's NFTs or whatever. And so we're providing liquidity to the market in exchange for getting, uh, getting interest on that money. So that's yield farming. I mean, this is very similar to, it sounds like at least, I want to, I want to hear your thought on this. This is very similar to the BlockFi model where they're 
uh, paying you interest because they're able to take the Bitcoin that you own and, and lend it to institutions who need it for, you know, overnight periods of times or two days or three days or whatever. And, and there's a huge market for this. How sustainable is this, though? I mean, are we going to see this interest rate for a year and then, uh, you know, it's going to plummet over time? I'm, I'm sure it has to. But is, is staking yeah. sustainable? I think so. I, I don't think I don't see why it wouldn't be if especially if it's temporary short term bursts of events like that, if it's not like long term, I could see why they'd be sustainable. But it's su such a brand new market. I think yeah. that's eventually what's going to be the bridge between these centralized exchanges and decentralized ones in the future. What do you Man, think, Jeremy? Are we are we going to well, lose the dollar? Is the, just, the is fiat just, going away? I just remember the good old days when we used to just sit back and buy Coca-Cola stock and Pepsi stock. And now I got to worry about this damn confusing <laughs> stuff, man. <laughs> well, I, and I, I want to know, Jeremy, is, is fiat going away? You know, is is the dollar going to get replaced at some point? Is there going to be some new uh, new economy? Or, or do you think now, you know, like all this stuff can run along the side, but I can make a, a, a good living or, or, you know, I can invest successfully just focusing on stocks and I don't have to even pay attention to this stuff. Well, I mean, I think there's just so much money to be made in so many industries. You don't have to play it all. First off, is the right. dollar going away? I have no clue. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I, you know, I wish I was smart enough to really give you a, an insight there. But at the end of the day, like, you know, and I think this is something that's important for everybody to understand. Like, you don't have to be great at like all these different markets. Like, pick the ones you're really good at. You really understand. Go after those. Um, you know, if you know real estate really good, there's so much money to be made in real estate. Do that. Stocks. You know, cryptos. Whatever. I mean, this this. You know, NFTs. Let me be very clear. When Graham said people are asking what is an NFT, that was me on my dummy account to type in that in what is an NFT because I didn't even I didn't even know about that. That's just like crazy, man. Yeah, it's crazy world. But, uh, you know, never know. No, I was going to say, you never really know with these things. Like I said, with the Bitcoin example, you know, a digital currency, like what? And then, you know, now look at everybody all of a sudden wants to own Bitcoin. You know, that's that's a really good thing you said, though. That's so interesting because you said stick to the thing, you know, H how do you how do you balance between what you know and what you're good at to the whole like age old diversify thing where it's like, what do you do then? Like, I know Kevin's really good at real estate. I know like some of you guys are amazing at real estate. Some of you are amazing at stocks, but then now we have crypto. Like how do you balance between what you think you know and what, you know, the, the traditional investment advice is, which is diversify. Yeah, I, I think it's a, like, if you don't know something very well, but you want to play in it, just play in a little bit, right? So like I have a little bit invested in a stock that owns a lot of Bitcoin, right? Uh, I think Graham, I, I think you're directly invested in a little bit of Bitcoin, right? Compared to your, your full net worth. Yeah. Um, Andre, you know, I don't know, you know, your whole situation as far as what you invest in. I would assume you're crypto heavy versus stock heavy. Um, yeah, Kevin's got a hundred mil in everything, I think. So he's a, he's a different category. But yeah, but I mean, what 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 are you, uh, Andre, as far as crypto versus stocks, if you don't mind sharing? And then Graham, how much do you have in crypto as a percent of your net worth? So, would you say? Well, I put in originally about a hundred k into crypto, which turned into eight hundred at the peak, um, within like whatever it was two months, whatever three months. Uh, <laughs> and stocks, I'm at around three hundred k out of a principal equity of about I don't know one twenty, something like okay. that. So 300 versus 800. Okay. Yeah. And, and then Graham, you have a really small percentage of your net worth in crypto, right? Yeah. I think now it's about one and a half, just under 2%. So it's what about you, small. What about you, Kevin, as far as your crypto exposure? 
two and a half to three. Okay. Percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A million. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Two and a half to three percent. No. 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 I, I would okay. be okay getting up, uh, getting my BlockFi to a mill. Uh, yeah. And I don't. I don't want to sell my Bitcoin in Robinhood because I do not want to pay another dime to the state of California, and I will get destroyed. Uh, I'll lose fifty five percent instantly. Right. I'd rather yeah. the market crash than pay taxes to the government. <laughs> Sure. Like seriously, like me selling a, a gain is literally the market crashing fifty five percent is what it feels like. Yeah. But but anyway, yeah, yeah I, I'd be willing to to go up. So that would put me at you know five six percent or something like that. But I mean, dude, you're like fifty percent crypto man. No like, no no, I'm thirty percent. I'm thir I'm okay. I'm no more than thirty. Uh, there's another oh, thirty, okay. which I'm sure is obvious at this point. But you know, you still haven't revealed. <laughs> no. <sighs> You're just like dangling it, man. <laughs> uh, it's because I'm I'm leaving to go to Russia in a in a month actually, and I need some content. So I I'm filming that, and I want to release it when I'm over there because filming content over there is way harder. So I just want to have some backup. Awesome, man, are you gonna meet uh, what's his name? Uh, who's uh, going Vlad? to the Gulag? <laughs> yeah, no, not Vlad. <laughs> that was a good one. No, no, who's the guy? Uh, the the Alexei? guy who Alexei, the Russian dissident. Uh, yeah, got poisoned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alexei. He's going to a gulag for two years. Sure. Like, can we get an interview on your channel? I mean, hopefully I don't meet up with him. No, I don't want to go to a gulag. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I watched this documentary on gulags. Phenomenal. No, no, no. Uh, Putin's wealth. Oh, my gosh. He, I think he is the richest man on earth just because he stole the entire wealth of the country. Like, what do you think it is? What do you think his wealth is? His wealth is yeah. the entire country. Like He just stole <laughs> everything. And he funneled it into this... I mean, lots of other business ventures, but one mega palace that's rivals anything you've seen the queen live mm -hmm. in. It, it's crazy. Are you it's, an hour long it's an hour long documentary. It's crazy. Uh, GDP of Russia. Hmm. I want to <laughs> yeah. see this house, man. I don't know. I, I'm getting educated. I don't know anything about this. There's some I, mega I house. Say again? A duplex. A duplex. <laughs> it's a duplex. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, how it's but speaking of which, Graham. Yeah. Dude, how does this work? You don't have a duplex in Vegas. No. Y'all, like, but Jack's living there. Like, yep. I you thought you were going to buy the house next door. How's this going to work when the little gramblings come along? We got extra bedrooms and there's a couch. <laughs> Sleep on the couch. Did you say That's gramblings? Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Gram Gremlins. 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 Ah, uh, I like that. I was gonna say, yeah. How we get a couch? That'll be fine. That's awesome. No, that's, how that's you, cool. How do you split your time? Does it? I know, like IRS has certain rules, but what are those rules as far as staying in Vegas? It's supposed to be six months plus a day. Okay. Uh, realistically, it's stupid to cut it that close. So I'm going to be spending the majority of time here. Gotcha. No, wow. I go back if there's like a podcast guest or to go and see family for a week. And that's really about it. But I, I hope you really love the weather, Kevin, in California. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, it's very expensive. It's I have to say, I mean, I, I drove up to Santa Barbara today. It was, uh, you know, out of the last month, I've probably spent like an hour outside. And that was all today, I feel like. <laughs> so it was an expensive hour. But it was a nice hour. <laughs> what was Santa Barbara? Uh, well, Lauren was uh, Lauren was getting a, a fertility treatment, 
And uh, at the same, like while that was happening, I uh, went to visit my uh, abandoned, stupid Santa Barbara project that's been sitting in planning with Santa Barbara forever. I'm like, wow, if I just put that money into Bitcoin instead of that that fixer upper man, whew, you know, I should have put I should have put all my Santa Barbara house money, you know, whatever. I think I've got like. Uh, what do I have in it? I think I've got like three, four hundred k or whatever in it. I should have just had that money go directly into Logan Paul's digital freaking art NFTs. Yeah, man. So where's that? <laughs> Actually, I, I still don't get it. I, I, I just like I. Are you guys? Are you gonna invest in them? Are you gonna try to find that the ten percent that's gonna survive? No, I'm all right. <laughs> I think there's better opportunities. I will yeah. do it after a crash because I do believe in the in the concept. I think long term. I think it's interesting. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think now it's a bit of a gimmicky thing, but I do think give it 10, 20 years, there's going to be some cool digital assets online that everyone is going to look back on. Crypto could, could, uh, crypto kitties could be one of them just because of uh, a bit of the, the fun factor of it. Yeah. Um, I, it's, it's Yeah. Do you know, um, I don't know if this is even publicly known or not, but do you know how many Bitcoin changed hands in a 24 hour period? Like what the volume is there? Like sixty thousand big question. I don't know off the top of my head. Coin market cap. Uh, volume is one hundred eleven billion. So divide that by the current price. Um. Yeah, one hundred eleven billion gets exchanged. I guess daily, twenty four hours. Crazy. Okay. Who's got the math on that? Because <laughs> I've been trying to see if it is like sixty thousand. I can't do that in my yeah, head. Yeah, Coinbase Pro does that. Let me see. Uh, I'm gonna see somebody in the in the comments is gonna do it. I'm sure. I'm trying to see. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out what the float is there because obviously, you know, imagine with how many more people over time just buy Bitcoin simply to hold and literally don't care about selling it. I just would imagine over the majority time, has held. The majority hasn't moved in the last like year. Yeah, most people after they buy it, they just hold on to it. That's why the whole hodl thing, right? The main yeah. So I, would I would imagine over time the float will go even lower and lower, but and, for you know, sure like, now with the mining I'm doing, <laughs> <laughs> especially since the issuance is going to get cut in half. So, uh, yeah, yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. I got to know, like Andre, you know, you've got this. You're running a dividend portfolio, uh, yeah. and I, I thank you for your video on on the suggestion to go into divs. I, I've been waiting to ask you. Doesn't it piss you off the taxes on, on the dividends? That's exactly why I've stopped prioritizing dividend stock purchases. And I've started focusing more on growth because my income situation changed. Right. I wish it, 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 I mean, it's kind of a good problem to have, but that's kind of why I went the other direction because the, the taxes I'm paying now based on my income is making me cry. Cause I'm like, this is money I never used to pay for taxes for passive income. And now that I'm seeing my career trajectory on a completely different path from when I started, my my investing strategy was forced to change because of it. That's so, what I against dividends. But Jeremy, you have a dividend portfolio, don't you? Dude, I can't believe it. So I started this dividend account in the in the in the the private group about probably about a year and a half ago, and just yeah. to kind of see like how a, like a dividend account only only dividend stocks like how it would perform. And I was like, this account's going to get trashed by the public count. That account, not even like taking in the dividends received in that account this like the account in total is up over a hundred percent wow just what's like the, the average dividend yield on that what's and what's after oh, i've never i've never uh i don't know the numbers uh, like, <laughs> it, it, 
would be high assuming your dividend yield. I'm assuming if it's if it's that high as far as growth, then your dividend yield average is probably no more than one or two percent. I'm assuming. A lot of them it's like four percent. It depends. Like I could go through the stocks and, and pull it up here in just a second and tell you guys what actually yeah, stocks. If you are. have the average yield on that, and if it's like four percent or more, then that's a godly return. Yeah, it but well, then again, like everything's up. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say I'm kind of lucky because a lot of those stocks I did purchase in the late spring or summertime as far as right. falling money. So it did get a little lucky, but still, like I'm just like, I can't believe that account's like up that much. Um I imagine when I'm old and ready to retire, whenever that is, I would convert a lot of my money into something that pays me passive income, which is probably gonna be dividends because I'm assuming I'm not gonna be making this amount of crazy income. Um, that's so, what it would make sense to do, but the, go ahead. I was just gonna tell you guys the stocks that are in that account. It's Wynn, Nordstrom, JP Morgan, Qualcomm, Walgreens, Tapestry, Foot Locker. So some, you know, some of those yields might not be super high. Some of those, the dividends are coming back this year. Um, and some of those are pretty high. Like JP Morgan's a pretty good, like WBA is usually like 4%. Yeah. Um, JP is a solid blue chip in that. What is it? Dividend yields. Robinhood's is 2.43%. Robinhood's never correct on their dividend yields. I don't know if that's accurate. Well, and, and yeah. when you bought these, they, exactly. the yield was probably way high. Oh, you know, a lot. Like, that was the time. Like you, I mean, uh, interestingly, like AT&T is one of those that hasn't really moved. It just, it you know, it went down to like 30 bucks and it sat at $30 forever for like the last year. But I mean, AT&T, I think it's still like a 7% yield, but all of these other ones you picked, yeah, I mean, these guys are up double. So your yield probably halved from when you bought it, but you're still getting that yield because of when you bought in. So, I mean, yeah. that's just, that's just awesome freaking timing, man. I love that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so don't touch that. That's great. But I mean, otherwise, yeah, the, the taxes, otherwise, like I feel like today, I don't think you would plow most of your money into a div, would you? Probably no. not. Probably not. But I, I will say it's interesting. It, you know, like I think Warren Buffett's Coca-Cola shares he bought back in the 80s. I think he yeah. makes more dividend yield than he actually paid per share for that stock. And like people that bought Apple stock, um, you know, if you're smart enough to buy it like 15 years ago, those people actually make more in dividends than the shares actually were costing them back in the day when they were buying them. Like, that's just like a crazy concept to even it think is, of. Uh, it's weird. It is crazy. Jeez. I do think that if there's a, there's a reckoning in the stock market completely takes a crap, then I feel like value investing will probably come back to be a little bit more relevant and less meme investing, which I totally see. I just don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know. That's already happening. I feel like uh, to a little bit of extent, you've seen the money rotate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like yesterday, today, you saw a lot of money rotate from these super high growth names into like when was up, I think seven or eight percent today. You right. know, and, and there's a lot of those like non-tech related companies have actually been performing really well, and like there's just money rotating um, out of high growth and into values. So it's interesting. Divs even too. Value investing will make a comeback. It's really nice to know that no matter what, well, not no matter what, but given most situations, you'll have a consistent amount coming in. I think in my total portfolio, it's about a 1% dividend overall. So when you account for the whole value of everything, it's about 1%. Okay. My yield is about between 4 and 4 and 5%. Yield on well, Yeah, but you're talking 7 8% Bitcoin here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's, it's it's crazy. Now, how are you guys liking Block? You're, you're, I know, Graham, you started your BlockFi account. I, I liked it. I actually, um, after we did our podcast together, I think it was that night, was it? I can't remember. It was around there. 
that I moved over the Bitcoin to uh, BlockFi. It's just a little test at first just to see what it was like. And then I woke up the next day. I'm like, wait a second, there's interest in there. And yeah, yeah. something about seeing like, and I didn't move that much, but I saw like eight bucks in interest in there the next day. I'm like, wait, wait a second. That, that's $8. That's a sub. That's, that's a, a half all you can eat. <laughs> Sushi. So I'm like, all right, let me move the rest over. So I moved over the Bitcoin. I got to move over the Ethereum. Um, but I, yeah. I actually had a few questions asking like, are, aren't you afraid that, you know, you're going to, they get hacked or why are you keeping 100% of it in BlockFi? Because that's a hot wallet, right? So if they get hacked, then all the money disappears. I'm willing to take that. I mean, my my thinking, and this might be stupid thing, I bought in an amount that I was prepared to fully write off. I was I was just like, well, you know what? If I lose a hundred percent of it, then I get a good video out of it. I was hacked. Imagine that. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> if if it were like something were to happen, it would be disappointing, obviously. But so, I, I'm not investing in an amount that I'm not prepared to lose. Like, I, man, I'm with you. I'm with you. That's okay. I, I do want to experiment with other um, interest paying companies. I know there's like Celsius.io. And so I think it would be smart if we like at least diversified brokerages and just spread that money out. Cause yeah, that is kind of terrifying if you lose I'm it. All. Hassle, though. Like I like having just like two or three main accounts that I use and that's it. And then it becomes a hassle to be like, oh, I got like, you know, a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here. Oh, well, actually, that's a good question for Kevin. So, Kevin, are you afraid that your SIPC coverage is like, way over that i mean yeah it's actually something i spend like zero time thinking about it i don't i probably should more think about those things like what happens if like a robin hood collapses you know and they're like well what was a thick thick my event <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> well, like okay well shit i mean I'd poopy like i i don't i don't want that like so yeah it's a problem but so, I mean, I've got the bulk of my portfolio at JP Morgan. I, you know, I think I feel pretty comfortable with that. I've got a chunk of, and the rest is kind of evenly divided between Robinhood, M1 Finance and, and Weeble. So, you know, I don't know. I, I think I've just become so focused on how can I make as the most money freaking possible so that A, if I lose a chunk of money because somebody robs me or steals it or, or, you know, SIP, whatever, something tanks, something goes away or bankrupt that I'm, I'm still happy. I'm still okay. Or, uh, my, my real goal is how can I take my earnings every month, invest them so that when it's time to pay taxes, I'm just paying those with gains. Speaking right. of it, did you find out about paying taxes with margin and writing that? Off oh that no. Month? Cause I'm going to do it anyway. So I don't care. <laughs> Whatever uh, the answer is, I'll find out next out. year. You'll find out the next year, whether or not that's a write off or not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and even if it's not, you know, 1.49% or whatever on the line, I, I don't care. Uh, you know, for me, I just like, I, I got to focus on the big dollar, which, you know, so much of me wants to just keep buying real estate. But I'll tell you, uh, and, and even especially on days like today, it's like, oh, man, uh, like, uh, you know, real estate doesn't just flash crash like this. But uh, just the 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 ease of sitting here, you know, once you have a portfolio, like you, you want to start build your wealth fast. Look, real estate, such a great way to start like zero to a million. But, uh, I don't know. I just, there's something about us being able to just sit here, for example, and talk about stocks or investments or whatever. And if, if we wanted to trade right now, I, I take me 30 seconds to execute a $500,000 trade. If, if we all wanted to do it, we could all do it at the same time. And I, I just love it. It's so simple. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the questions I had for you. Like you're making so much money with social media and YouTube that like even real estate, even though you still made a ton of money with real estate, 
the, the, the amount of time required to manage the real estate it kind of doesn't make sense in comparison to what you're able to do without it. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's where I've really tried putting so much of it on autopilot and I, I I probably have way too much trust, but I trust these guys, like shout out to Mark and Nick and Ben. These guys, they're, they're such hard workers and they motivate me to buy more of these, these houses because I've, I just literally like, I left the key in the kitchen or whatever, or I put a lockbox on, just do the usual. And then like six weeks later, I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, like that's the only thing that makes it okay for me right now. Cause otherwise it's just like, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's anytime you work, the more people you work with, the more headache you have. Uh, at least what I found. I mean, Jeremy, look, I'm not trying to hit you. Like, oh, you figured it out, man. Like, yeah, dude, you got like 60, 1099s or whatever. Uh, Look, I, I, no thanks, man. <laughs> it, it, it's uh, it, it is headaches. I, I, I agree, man. Like, you know, as you scale up, it's like, you know, I, I had to get on a call at 1.30 a.m. on Sunday night. And I was on the phone and I was so exhausted by the time I got off the phone, it was almost 3 a.m., right? And I mean, oh. yeah, you, you're always on the clock, you know, when you got a, team, a large team behind you, like you're always on the clock. There's always different situations. There's always like egos. There's always drama like there's always like stuff to deal with and it is that you know i will say it's is not for everybody and it is a lot all, all i can think is like how easy people had it like back in the day like in the 80s man if you had a lot of money in the 80s put your money in a savings account you get like 12 percent, 15 percent. here we are worried about you have you know seven percent inflation every year that's true. That's true. But I mean, like, geez, man, like, oh, man, now we have to work so hard for our money to make us money, man. It's so easy. Hey, look, Jer Jeremy's got a point, though, because sure, we had inflation, Grant. But I mean, people who bought real estate in, in the 70s or 80s, they got the benefit of leveraging in and then if inflation basically eradicating their debt. And these asset values just going through the roof. Like anybody you know who's bought real estate in the 80s and they're like, oh, I've been here since the 80s. It's like, oh my gosh, like that that's yeah. just buy a house and wait 40 years in that kind of environment. I bought my house for $20,000, you lazy millennial. <laughs> <laughs> right? Now it's like 800 grand. You look at the tax history. It's like, what? Where do you see the real estate market going? over the next year or two? Do you think interest rates are gonna go up and start to dampen values? Do you think more people are gonna to start to sell off? Yeah, I mean, we've already seen a little bit of interest rates move up because of the 10 year, like you mentioned, but I personally, I think for us to really see a real estate correction, the only thing that's gonna do it, and, and who knows, there could be a black swan, but really the big thing that's gonna do it is rates having to, like getting forced to go up, like you're asking, is the Fed saying, we got to we got to push the the you know discount rate back to two and a half percent. Oh my gosh, we got to go to three percent. But the problem is twofold. First, I don't think that's going to happen until twenty twenty four that we're going to see two and a half percent again. Honestly, we might not see two and a half percent until twenty twenty six. We might not start raising rates until twenty twenty four, which is crazy because it's just going to continue to support this real estate. What feels like a bubble that we're in. Uh, although really, what it is is it's white collar workers or people like us who can keep buying real estate. And it's, it's, you know, people who are working a wage job who can't anymore because they're priced out. It, but but I, don't, I don't know. I don't see anything else crashing the real estate market. And I just don't see that happening for four, five, six years. And I feel like that's that's bad because, like, maybe I'm missing something. But I just don't see it coming anytime soon. 
And, and, and Kevin, economically speaking, if there's an entire generation that could be potentially uh, displaced from real estate because of the environment that we're in, because of people like us buying up this real estate, do you think that would any that would do anything to the future of our economy if people are priced out of assets? Well, if, if people are priced out, they move to cheaper areas is what happens. So when, when people can't afford San Francisco anymore, they move. When people can't afford LA anymore, they move. So what's actually happening in LA, for example, is yeah, you're seeing this flight out of California. You're seeing, you know, it, it, it's a popular statistic that gets referenced a lot, but you're actually at the same time seeing the poverty rate going out, going down because the poorer people are, all, are, are oftentimes they're moving, moving out. They're moving out of the area. Right. So you're actually just like richifying areas. Uh, or, or you're building smaller homes in San Francisco. It's like, oh well, damn, I, I, I or darn, I guess I'm in a in a 500 square foot apartment instead of a thousand square foot apartment out here. So, you know, in a weird way, I think it, as long as there are there's a desire for people to live in an area, there's a reason for somebody to live somewhere. I think that's more important than the pricing in a very bizarre way because there are always going to be people who have enough income to pay those prices, which is just very bizarre. Obviously, rents get restricted by incomes. Uh, and so at some point investors leave the market, but I mean, look at San Francisco, you know, that's an interesting point about having an area reaching somewhat of a plateau that there's only so many people willing to buy in before prices somewhat peak, but then those same people go and just look for another area that might be undervalued relative to that. Hmm. Good point. Yeah. That happens in LA all the time, right? It's, yeah. it's like all of a sudden one neighborhood's like hot and it all of a sudden it's like, oh, Century City's now the, the next place that's popping. Wasn't that like the thing over the last 10 years? Right. It's like one neighborhood to the next. Oh, this is going to be the next one that starts right. going up. That's why Texas is popping. That's why Vegas is going to pop. Like, yeah, that's why for sure. Yeah, Phoenix. Phoenix was one of those areas. I think it was 15% increases year over year. Phoenix. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting to me. So Kevin, why aren't you front running that, which seems obviously going to happen where people are going to get priced out and invest maybe instead in the cheaper areas like Texas or Vegas, because you obviously got the money to do it. So would you ever consider investing in, in something like in Vegas or? If I invested out of the area, I the only, well, first of all, I'd have to have a jet is, is what I've determined. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's like, I'm not trying to be ridiculous about it, but seriously, like, I, I have to be able to get there regularly and quickly wherever I'm investing. And I can't afford a jet, so I'm not doing it. Uh, like I wanna be able to be at my real estate whenever I want uh, and quickly. And so for example, like let's say I had a real estate fund. You know, it makes sense what Cardone, Cardone does. Takes a big $40 million write-off on, on a jet and doesn't pay taxes for two years. It's, it's brilliant. Uh, and But now he's also, it's a marketing tool. The plane is a marketing tool and it's an easy way to get around to all the real estate. So it totally makes sense. But you know, for, for me to really say like, all right, I'm gonna go to Texas and buy single family houses. I mean, how often am I gonna go to Texas? Am I gonna go there three times a year? I'm not gonna go there every month. I'm not interested in that. Like I'll buy single family houses out here, mm -hmm. maybe one day in the future, but I, it would really have to be for something way bigger than just, let me go buy a single family Kevin, house. Kevin, yeah. you easily afford a jet, easily. Okay, like you could get one of those Honda jets, brand new for like I think they're five million. Like you got that. Like you no, don't. I, I, there's programs like private jet that that do that stuff that you can become a, like a private equity partner and then just have access to it at like crazy yeah. discounted rates. Check really? out the Honda jet, yeah, man. Yeah, but you need to find crazy wedge deals <laughs> to justify it.
<laughs> yeah, no, you'd, you'd have to have some big money flowing to justify it. Uh, I, I didn't know about that. Yeah, because I it was like, oh my gosh, and then you have to hire a pilot and all this stuff. And then like, I don't want to crash. And like, how much is a parachute? I don't know. You know, sometimes I just get, I, I, I talk myself out of stuff probably prematurely. So thank you for, for that counter argument. Yeah. Sure. Well, hey, let's just all go on in on a Honda jet, man. That can make it. Uh, I don't know if you can make it from the west coast to east coast on on one uh, yeah. fuel, but I think you can go uh, to. Uh, you can go from uh, for sure California to at least Texas. I know that for sure with the Honda Jet. It's got what two. I, it's, it's like five mil. What I've really wanted to do is we all pool our money together and get like a huge residential complex, like a hundred. I've mentioned that idea before. Yeah, like just get a crazy mansion. I don't know. I mean, that's a crazy. Kevin, and then we could have Graham and Andre take care of the kids on the weekend. That would be amazing. <laughs> Great idea, guys. Love it. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. That's that's I think a way to do it is is and the big multifamily stuff, right? Mm. Uh it yeah, I mean maybe, but I don't know. Again, though, like, okay, so so here's the thing: like stocks versus real estate again, right? So if you've got if your net worth is over, you know, a mil, two mil, three mil, four mil, whatever. You know, part of me is just like, okay, cool. So you go buy an apartment building, you get an interest only loan leveraged up, you get your 13% rate of return or whatever leveraged up on the real estate, you know, with depreciation, the leverage depreciation and stuff. Maybe you could get 15%. Okay. I mean, great. It's diversification, but, but I mean, then, then you got, then you got Tesla looking at you too. And I'm like, uh, you know, I don't know. That's really what it is. You would you would yeah. postpone paying a lot of taxes for the first few years. That's true. Yeah, it, it's interesting right to see your uh, your transition, Kevin. Though, because I, like I definitely remember you a few years ago. You were definitely you know all the real estate train, and you were definitely you know real estate's better than stocks. And it's interesting now you're making this argument that stocks are better than real estate. It, it's just funny to see kind of things well, it's, in a circle. It's yeah, and and you're right. Uh, it's where you are though it, with with net worth it, in my opinion yeah. if i have 5 million in the markets and i make a 10% return why am i going to leave my house that's 500 grand a year and i'm doing jack nothing right hmm. whereas if i have $10,000 and that's my net worth is $10,000 cash let's say am i going to use that $10,000 and try to go yolo wall street bet stocks and maybe double, but then on the next one, I lose half my money or more than half of my money. I lose 70% of my money. Then I'm down and I'm like, oh my gosh, this was my life savings. Or do I take that 10, $20,000, whatever it is, go buy a little fixer upper. Now I control a three or $400,000 house and I can create $100,000 of equity for sure, rather than speculate with, with a $10,000 stock portfolio. And, and so I think that's where that transition came from is going from like, me going from literally zero working at, you know, nine bucks an hour at Robin Hood or uh, not Robin Hood, Red Robin, Robin. Yeah. Uh, working you know, <laughs> nine bucks an hour. You're paying you nine bucks. No wonder it has so many issues. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you, you get the idea, right? Like, so you, you like going from that, that was, that's what gave me my ability to invest in stocks is all the real estate. Well, uh, no, and so I owe so much to that. But now I'm looking at it like, thanks, but I've kind of, gra I feel like in some sense, I've kind of graduated uh, that. And, and it sounds so horrible because I love it so much. But no, no, that makes sense. Literally all of us, I feel like have graduated from, from something de 
because of our circumstances, like with me with dividends to focusing more on growth, just because of YouTube to you doing more stocks to Graham focusing also more on YouTube rather than real estate. So yeah. kind of all of us have gone through this evolution process. Um, That's, right. which is, yeah. That's really all it is. When I had all the free time in the world, I just loaded it up with real estate. I was at those properties twice a day. I remember I would wake up early, go to the property, check it out, go to the office, after six, after seven, go to the gym, go back to the property, see what they've done. I did that for months, but, and, and that's what it took to really do well at it in the beginning. But when you have no free time and your time is so valuable going and, you know, spending even 30 minutes in the car, that opportunity that you lose to do anything else that has a higher yield starts adding up. Kevin, um, you know, for those that maybe are watching this and, and don't even know how to do something like this, how do you get a 300 or you even said $400,000 house with only $10,000 to your name? Like how can somebody do that? Yeah, the best example, and, and it might sound redundant for, for those who have heard it, but it's so, it's so valuable. The best example for me is just how I bought my first place. And that was, I literally, I mean, I, you know, didn't have the income. I couldn't qualify for the loan. Lauren and I together couldn't qualify for the loan because we didn't have two years of income. We didn't even have one year and year to date income, you know? So, you know, I'm putting, I'm filling out my loan application for this house and I'm like, they're like, what's your job? Real estate agent. They're like, okay, but didn't you work at Red or Robin, Red Robin? Yeah, Red Robin. Uh, like, no, I quit that. I literally have no income. I'm like, okay, well, you can't really qualify with that. So uh, I, um, we found a really good deal. Uh, for like, it was $305,000 and we put three and a half percent down on it together. So we found the deal. It was our money. You know, we're taking the risk on it. Everything is us. Now it just became a game of how do we trick the system to let us actually buy this property? You know, we, we had okay credit. It was like 720 or whatever. We didn't have 740s at that 720 credit or something like that. Big deal. We're like, we just want to get in. One of the reasons I wanted to get in because I was a real estate agent I wanted to sell more homes. And, and that's a great way to sell things is when you're buying it. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, you put three and a half percent down. My father co-signed 1% owner. I take 49%. Lauren takes 50%. Qualify with his income. Boom. We're in a $305,000 house in a $450,000 neighborhood. Uh, we take out a loan from the bank for 50 grand and fix it up. FHA 203K loan. And the rest is history. You know, all of a sudden, our net worth literally went from my $9,000 and Lauren's $9,000 to us fixing up the house, refinancing it a year later. And we're like, holy crap, our, our net worth just went from, you know, 10 grand each to 75 grand each. So we're at 150 grand joint net worth. It's like, we got to do more of that. I couldn't have done that with stocks. If I bought the S&P 500 index fund in, in 2012, I would have tripled my money. But dude, I'd be sitting on, on 30 grand. Right. I love that. I mean, that's a crazy, that's a great story, man. I, I love that. Graham, what's the least you ever put down for, for properties? Do you always do like 20% or what? what 15 was the least. Uh, I always plan on putting 20, 25% down, but I got a 15% offer a few years ago. So I put 15% down. And then on this place in Vegas was also 15% down. 15%. Okay. L let me ask you guys a question. I would love to hear each of your perspectives on this. What would need to happen in the overall economy or market for you guys to say we're in a bubble time? Like, what would you need to see happening to make you say, okay, we're just in a, a, a huge financial bubble in everything, stocks, cryptos, real estate, everything. Um, whoever wants to take it first can take it. I would love to hear your guys' perspective on that. That's a really good question. Hmm. 
what's like a definitive metric, right? Yeah, or just like an activity, a vibe that's going on that makes you guys say, "Yeah, we're we're in a, we're in just bubble times right now, and this is just waiting to pop." I think when you see doubles and triples in prices in a short period of time, I think crypto in 2017 was obviously it was something was going to happen at some point, and it just when every day it goes up 20 percent for no reason at all. I think that was a that was a clear sign. Uh, in terms of today, it becomes a lot more diff difficult to analyze that. Uh, uh, GameStop, obviously, that was a unique situation, but I feel like people kept buying in, driving up the price. I, I know the whole story behind it, but uh, that was something that to me was approaching like, hey, okay, people <laughs> gave me musical chairs. I imagine if that happened to every stock in the stock market, then you'd be like, okay. <laughs> but I mean, how much that would obviously never happen, but like, what's a clearly obvious but plausible thing that could happen? I don't know. Do you know, I mean, Kevin? In a weird way, it kind of has happened though, right? I mean, Andre, don't, don't you feel like in a weird way, looking back to like last March, everything has like doubled or tripled or 5 x Sure, but I mean, not in a crazy like short amount. Of, I guess you could say it's in a crazy short amount of time. It's only in a year um, that we've tripled, but we've also fallen a lot. So you could contribute it to that. It's like, yeah, but we've fallen a lot. So that's why we've tripled. We went back to the norm and then we've exceeded it. So we've doubled it. Is that really all that bubble? I don't know. Um, yeah, there's also a lot more money that had entered the market that I think well, definitely leads to that. Well, what, you know, what is this for you, Jeremy? I, I feel like you've got the answer to this and you're just- No, I, I don't. You know, I, I can make, definitely make an argument that we're in some bubblish time now, but like something I think about is like, could we ever have a real sustained crash again in the not just economy, but the markets? I'm talking real estate, stocks, cryptos, everything because of the Fed backstop. And are we just in a day and age where it doesn't matter what happens? The Fed will just, you know, do whatever it has to do to keep the show going on. And like, will we ever have a real sustained crash? Because the one we had in March, you know, February, March of last year, that was super sharp, but it didn't last. It was like, whoop. That was my theory from last time when I put my tinfoil hat on and you guys were like, that's a conspiracy theory. And I'm like, I just don't know if we'll ever see a crash because if we do, some the Fed or central bank would step in and just pull some lever and it was like, oh, hey, we're back. I don't know. I, I think that's totally possible. And because of that possibility, uh, I think, Jeremy, the, the crux of your question is really, Let's say I saw the signals right now of, of a bubble. I'm like, guaranteed, this, this, this bubble. Would I sell? And, <laughs> and the answer to that is no, because I'm forced crashing with taxes. So it may, I have no incentive to sell. Uh, I have an incentive to reduce margin for sure. There's an incentive to re reduce margin. But like, for example, I sold twice uh, for the first time in a while. I sold a week and a half ago and on Monday morning. I sold some stocks just to reduce my margin a little bit because it was getting a little out of hand. And, uh, you know, but but would I, would I like liquidate my real estate? Like we're going into a bubble. Would I liquidate it? Or would I just go, I'll just ride it out. Same thing with my stocks. Like just ride it out. You know, like, I, I don't know. Maybe I have too much faith in the direction of the country or maybe I have too much faith in where my real estate is. Maybe I have too much faith in the stocks that I bought that in in 10 years it's all not gonna matter anyway it's all fine you know am, am i being complacent i don't know that's what i kind of think because you have to be right twice you have to be right when you sell and then you have to be right when you buy again so the chances of being right twice i i think get into the territory that maybe it's just 
best to hold. Yeah, I think that's a good way to fundamentally analyze that question is like, even if you knew, would you really do anything about it? I mean, unless there was some fortune teller with some 100% precision could tell me that, then yeah, obviously you would pull out. But since that would never happen, there was there's no way to get to 100% level certainty. So you'd get to maybe 90, 80%, I don't know how you would. And even on those terms, I still wouldn't sell. I'd probably just be like, yeah, whatever. I mean, I'll just continue dollar cost averaging in over, over long term. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like if we didn't have a sustained down market this time for stocks, real estate, crypto in a once in a hundred year situation like this, you know, what, what's the argument to make in the future? I mean, we need we would need obviously like the banking system to dry up and just lending. I mean, if capital dries up, that's when you get, you know, businesses to lay off and you get a real bad situation. But would that ever happen? And that's just like what I have so much trouble wrapping my head around. I don't know if that would ever even happen again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, unless money froze up and people start stopped lending, that's pretty much the only way that it could crash it hard. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like if there is going to be another crash, it's going to be something that we would have no idea about. Because, yeah. Right. yeah, you're right. Every crash is unique. Uh, <laughs> and we have no idea where it's going. It's going to be something... Let's look back. It's going to be something none of us have considered right okay, now. Okay, let's make a bet right now. Yeah, let's each right make now. our own black swan prediction. So, uh, <laughs> NFTs. NFTs are going <laughs> to think, you think that's going to trigger it. It's going to crash. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, what's funny is, is everything's so interconnected now. It's like if one market goes down a bunch, I feel like it pulls all down a lot of other things. It's just, it's interesting how it so works. What do you think is the first, first metric that usually goes and then the rest follows? I mean, the stock market's pretty front of the line. Like it, it kind of goes, it's one of the first few things that goes. What's another one that pre pre prefaces that, that goes quicker? I mean, I don't know. I, 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 you know, as silly as it might sound, I think crypto is getting big enough now where, you know, if you see big sell-offs in crypto, maybe that just means people are moving to a risk-off stance. And they're getting a little scared about something. That's uh, fair. That's fair. Yeah, I would yeah. almost think that they would go up during times of instability that people might want to put money away. Something I separate. Think, I don't think it will. I think crypto is the first place that people flee and they're like, oh, my God, get out, sell. Yeah. Like, crypto, crypto, then growth stocks, you know, super high flyers. And then you kind of go from there. And I feel like real estate's the last thing. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's your opinion, Kevin? What's one of the first few things that goes? You know, I think it just depends what started it. Like uh, in 2018, we had this flash crash in real estate uh, because interest rates got jacked up uh, so aggressively that treasuries sh shot up in the summer. And we literally saw real estate prices go from, uh, you know, basically they fell 12% in a matter of 60 days. And as a real estate agent, I saw that happen as it was happening. And I have vivid memories because it was so crazy. Like it was, it was euphoria. Like in April, I, I took seven listings in one week and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're cranking this. We're just like printing money basically on deals. Well, like in May, the market starts crashing in real estate. Like nobody's buying. I, I'm listing these properties at where I think is, is totally market price. And I'm usually very good with my pricing. Uh, like multiple offers. Like we want to get multiple offers because it helps bid us yeah. up. Uh, and it's a deal too, because people don't want to cancel a deal that was that they got against multiple offers, psychological thing. But anyway, so uh, none of them, like I put them all on the market, none of them sold. And I'm like, oh my 
God, something's going weird. And it was literally that interest rates went up to like 5% for a, a short period of time and people's buying power dropped. And, and so instantly real estate values, you just see them plummet, plummet, plummet. Uh, and the stock market, it took another four or five months to react to these interest rates. So in a weird way, it's like, yeah, I mean, I like to think that crypto is going to go first and then stocks and the real estate, but 2008 kind of, you know, well, not 2000, well, actually maybe 2008 as well, but 2008 was a disaster. 2018, more recently, real estate had sort of that big front running shot when it came to rates. So who knows, maybe, maybe that can happen again. But the stock market fell all in March. Sorry. 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 Uh, didn't the stock market fall in March though? Like a crazy drop. It started in February. Oh, you're talking about in 2018 or this in 2020? Yeah. 18. I thought some of that was due to the salt cap. Cause I think I remember that being around the tax time. Wasn't that due to the salt cap of 10 K? Um, I mean, bit. maybe I, I know we lost Andre here for a second. So I'm just going to remove Andre just for one second. Uh, oh, there Andre's back. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe, but look, there's, there's no questioning when all of a sudden your purchasing power evaporates because your the rate is so high, like right. that's going to have a nasty impact. And I mean, who knows like what the next thing is going to be sure. I mean, like they could change, they could do a, uh, financial transactions tax on all uh, stocks and all of a sudden volatility could go to uh, like volume could go to crap because people are holding more and that could crash the market. It could, it could literally be politics that does the next thing. See, that's something I could see happening. Is there some sort of tax that, that gets implemented on this to help fund uh, whatever they want to fund? I could see Stim that. checks. What? Stim checks. Yeah. Yeah. But then Kevin, if, if they, then that helps you because then you have, think of all the content that you could make That's <laughs> four months of content. So you actually are the winner in this. Yeah. And Kevin only buys stocks now, so he'll help the whole stock market go up too. So it's, it's, it's you know, he, he provides. You know, look, I, I have to say I, I, back in November, I visited uh, Marco from whiteboard finance. Great guy. Uh, visited him and, uh, you know, we, we had a debate on his channel about like, when's the market going to crash next? And, and I'm like, I don't see it. Like rates are low. Rates are going to stay low. We're in this deflationary environment. I like, there's nothing that indicates a crash anytime soon. And so my thing was, I'm just going to keep plowing money into investing. I'm not going to stop buying now. Marco, uh, you know, whether it was uh, the, 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 you know, the magic eight ball or, or what, you know, said, no, no, there's a crash coming. And then we get the pandemic, which like, you can't predict that. Mm -hmm. And the market crashed and I'm like, damn, but uh, in a weird way, I, and I don't know what he did. Obviously he, maybe he could speak to this. It'd be cool. But because I was investing so heavily before and i'm like i don't know i, I just don't think there's, there's like crashes coming when this bizarro crash came in march from the pandemic i still believed no i i just got to keep putting money into this market and so that's why i was just plowing money into the market so in in a weird way this like i don't even really care what what happens i just want to keep putting as much freaking money into this market as as possible uh, and it's dangerous because I keep going into margin. And, and so I, I, I got to like leash myself, but I, I don't know. Am I, am I losing my mind or what do you guys think? I wouldn't do the margin. I get, I get worried about margin. I think yeah. 
you you do just fine without the margin. That's that's what I would think. If you just invested without the margin and whatever's like you would no worries in the world. I think that that peace of mind goes a long way. What, what I if I don't like peace? <laughs> what if I don't have a mind? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, sometimes I really feel like I uh, I sit here and uh, sometimes I think to myself like like oh that's just too good of a deal to pass up. Uh, like this is this is, it's literally just happened. My uh, Chase banker calls me. They're like, "Hey, we could give you an increase on your credit line," and I'm like, "I just paid off a good chunk of margin." Uh, you know, I'm like, I, I, I'm happy with margin, but then I get this call like, "Hey, we can increase your credit line," uh, uh, and uh, so I'm thinking to myself, "Okay, like, why not? Who knows? Like, you you can always use it, like, just in case as a rainy day fund. I'll just I'll just take the money." And then as soon as the credit line was available, like literally within four days of the credit line being available, I'm like, huh, another big chunk of money available on credit line. Oh, opportunity. <laughs> Spend it all. I'm like, what's wrong with me? I can't like, I, I, I can't well, stop. Well, what's the worst thing that could happen? You get margin called and you lose how much money? I guess it depends how much you fall. <laughs> well, See, let's say 50%. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, let's say let's say Tesla sold off fifty percent. Uh, I should be, I should be okay. I should be able to with with twenty twenty five percent margin. I should be okay. I have, uh, you know, maybe. I mean, relative to the margin I have, it's it's you know, a, a fraction. But I, I've got maybe three hundred three hundred k that I could pull from some credit lines, and I would use that as a buffer to to kind of put the cash in there in the meantime to cover a margin call, you know, worst case, I'd have to sell some piggy bank stocks like an Apple or an Amazon or something like that. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to sell at the bottom, but yeah, I mean, like if Tesla went bankrupt, that could really hurt. <laughs> to Elon text tomorrow or, you know, uh, tweets, uh, Tesla going bankrupt. <laughs> Kevin's like, no. yeah, I mean, that happened. I could lose probably it, it, i mean if, if tesla's 50 percent of my holdings it because of margin it would probably wipe out 90 percent of what i got if, if tesla just went bk tomorrow. oh my gosh no way in, in stocks right, in stock, right? Yeah. i still have a real estate portfolio no kevin oh, do you, yeah do you think you would be playing this fearless though if you were not on youtube and you were only doing real estate like you used to do you think you would still be playing this fearless at right, right now no 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 like my okay. my vision is like really what I'm doing with the margin is I'm just pulling my, my future spend forward to now. So right. like if I'm like, okay, well if, if I can make X dollars in the next six months, let's just spend that now. And then it's invested six months sooner. So you're just taking it six months at a time. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And you have the well, income. Yeah. What, what are you paying um, for margin rates? Three or four? The the no. JP Morgan margin rate, which is almost where all of it is, is 1.49%. Did you have to negotiate that or is that standard? No negotiation. Is that the, that's the private bank though, right? It's like LIBOR or whatever. Yeah, I'll pull it up. This video is wow. not sponsored by JP Morgan, but it should be. Switching everything to uh, Chase in the morning. Yeah, no, no, no. But Jeremy, this is different than Chase. This is JP Morgan Private Bank. You got to move ten million dollars over to get this, get these no rates. Way. Ten yeah. mil? Ten. Jeez. Oh. 
so yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna Google it, you know, later. I'm just gonna type it in yeah. my phone. I, I have to say, so I have, so I had this like three years, like two or three years ago through just a connection to the private bank. And I have to say it was one of the best experiences I've ever had with the bank. Getting mortgages, Kevin would know, you literally call them up. Hey, I wanna get a loan on this property. Okay, 15%, all right, you're good to go. We're gonna call you if we have any issues. We'll send out an appraisal. But uh, if you don't hear from us, it's good. And just this you got one, the, right? that's how easy it is. JP Morgan Private Bank. I don't know yeah. if you can see that. That's the one, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It is Man. the Bank of Banks, the best bird. What's up? Do you still have it? Yeah. Oh, you still have the 1.5 rate? Me? No, no. I'm asking Graham. Do you still have access to the. I don't use my. I've used them for mortgages and for banking. Right. But do you still have them for mortgages? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's your what's your hookup? A <laughs> <laughs> million dollars. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, I, their, their mortgage rates are obviously competitive on the market. You're not getting the mortgage rates of this. But honestly, Graham, I mean, like, if you're paying, in theory, if you're paying, if you got a mortgage 4%, you know, or it's probably like 2.9% or whatever, in theory, it. you could cut your interest rate in half by just paying it off with your margin line of credit. What are the terms on the margin line? Because that's going to go up over time. It's not going to be locked in for thirty years. It, it's it's based. No, of course not. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's interest only, and mm -hmm. it's based on uh, whatever the Fed's discount rate is, because there's a spread between that and like LIBOR, and uh, so as the Fed increases rates, that's going to go up. Right. I would rather take two eight for thirty years than one and a half interest only for five. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. <clears throat> it is tempting though to use margin to pay off the taxes. That yeah. it's just the, the the mentality for me is just I hate seeing that like amount owed when I know I could just pay it off. And it's it just is not yeah, tempting at all to me. What? That's, it does not sound tempting at all to me. It sounds uh, terrible. It sounds really tempting to me. <laughs> sounds I'm I'm we're going all in, baby. One point four? Are you kidding yeah. me? It's it's tempting to me because I think with Schwab they they were offering me I think it's like one seven, uh for it's a with well, a pledged asset line, but yeah. it's just why it's it's mathematically I think it would probably be better, but I don't know where interest rates are going to be five years from now and I want to play the game long term so if I had it locked in for ten years fifteen years it would be a no brainer, but in the short term I, I would feel terrible if I threw the money in the the market. It went down, and then I'm still paying this interest rate when I could yeah. just pay it off and be done with it. Right. I mean, it's true. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, the struggles. I'm tempted. Yeah. You got me tempted, Kevin. 1.4. Oh my gosh, man. See, most <laughs> I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Here. Uh, I mean, look. Just just so you know, it's not clickbait. I'll I'll, I'll show you really quick here. Uh, it's. It's worth seeing because it it, it really is uh, unbelievable. Uh, okay, let me see if I can do this. Okay, so if I do this and then I press this and then I press this, uh, there you go. So uh, this is one variable LIBOR rate, uh, $5.6 million, 1.52%. So it's actually a little less than I thought. Mm. And then I have, the, I have a choice when I draw money. I could choose which one I want to use. So I could go right here, and this one's 1.53%. So sometimes this one's lower, and I pull money here. But most of the time, this one's lower. And it's by like 0.01%, so it's like ridiculous. But but uh, yeah. It's, it, How often do those recalculate? 
Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a daily rate. That's a daily. Okay. Yeah. I mean, as long as it stays anywhere remotely around there, it's just so dang low. You know, it's crazy. What does it fluctuate by, Kevin? Like, what's the percentage? Oh, I've never seen it go out of the one five range. So it's, okay. it's always been, yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, uh -huh. and, and, yeah. Somebody in the comments here, they're like, "Oh, I get two percent on M one finance." Honestly, M one finance not a bad idea. Yeah. In fact, this morning, just because of the crash that was happening, I I quickly pulled every dime of margin I have available from M one finance and just moved it over to cash just in case this market was going to keep selling off. So that way I had like that line drawn at the highest possible point, basically. It's uh -huh. a little more risky, but they only let you take out 30% margin. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I got some extra cushion there just in case, you know? <laughs> that's yeah. that's mind blowing to me, man. I can't imagine taking out like that much margin, just keeping it there. But you know what? I'm less uh, open to risk like that, just in case. Fidelity. Fidelity needs to get it together, dude. I think, you know, I think on my margin, I think they want like 4%. And I'm in like the best bracket or three and a half or 4%. They need to get together, man. Hearing about this on 2%, 1.5%. I want to ask you guys about this. What you just said about Fidelity kind of makes me think about the, the legacy automakers, like the Ford and the GMs. Like, how are they going to compete with the Teslas of the world or maybe even the Lucids of the world? How do they have a chance? Like, why why is Fidelity not, you know, doing like three free stocks if you come join Fidelity? You know, like, it's like they're not even trying to go mm -hmm. after the the millennial audience or, or the the retail buyer who's that new <laughs> investor today you know they're looking at all the traditional means i've never seen somebody pitch fidelity as like a as a you know an affiliate like it, it, it does this carry over to it's just like is this the new guard coming in or all these old legacy companies just well yeah. i mean <clears throat> you know in, in fidelity's case i think you know one they have so many different products to you know that kind of support the business but two i think um I think it's customer service. That's why I don't leave Fidelity. You know what I mean? Like, why am I not switching from Fidelity to some other brokerage? It's just a customer service has always been like, I've been with them for 12, 13 years and their customer service is just like, you can't really compare it against obviously a Robin these other guys, you know, what's like, that? What do you ask them for? Well, like anytime I've ever had an issue ever or needed to talk to them about something, I can call them up. It doesn't matter what time it is. And they're right there. Yeah. So I think, you know, I don't think I can get that customer service at Robinhood or, you know, I don't even know. I don't even think they have a phone number. Right. And so when you just have like been with somebody for a long time and like they're always there for you and you have nothing bad you can say, it's it's hard to like break away from that and be like, OK, let me go over to Robinhood or Webull or whoever. Um, but but I will say the margin thing that could be a different that could be the difference maker that gets me to go somewhere else, maybe. Yeah, I think like the vanguards of the world will stick around just because they have their own value proposition that they've locked in, whatever it is. But I, I don't know. Fidelity over a long term? I don't know. I don't see them sticking around. If, once Robinhood, Webull, once they close the gaps with their customer service or their margins or whatever it is, if those guys don't evolve, I don't see them staying around. But I'm not a, a great product, though, a good service. And like Jeremy said, you, you don't see any complaints about Fidelity. Right. Ever. I don't use Fidelity. I'm not a... I don't have them. Yeah. Hmm. I used every brokerage out there and I have to say Fidelity is up there for sure. Yeah. Do you like it better than Charles Schwab or do you like Fidelity? Um, I would say I like it on par. I, I just started with Schwab first before I got my Fidelity account. Mm -hmm. so it's just because I have more money in Schwab right now. 
that's the only reason. That's fair. He's a any of you guys doing four hundred ones, four hundred one ks? Should be, but I'm not. Yeah. I I'm not. I I just think Zach is going up in the future, and I'm I'm planning for that. Yeah. No. Uh, I, what about you, Kevin? Yeah, I I. The, I used to be really gung ho on him, and and I've kind of shifted a little bit, just because of the, the insane restrictions uh, that that you kind of get in terms of like, okay, well in the future I'm gonna have to pay ordinary income taxes on on this money when when I got to pay taxes on this. Well, what if I'm 60 and I'm still making YouTube videos? You know, I I may as well have had control of the money more freely. To, to be able to do whatever I want with it. So part of me, I've, I've gotten a lot more like, I'm just going to pay the taxes, screw the 401. Like there, there were too many downsides. The more I was looking into like uh, the, the longevity purposes of it, like the, the deductions were really nice. My first few years when I was doing real estate, like, yay, save some taxes. Once you get larger amounts in, it's like, what am I going to do with it in the future? Uh, you know, the Roth I think is great, mm -hmm. but uh, the other ones, I don't know. They all have a flaw. It's like the IRS knows how to screw you. And then there's no, like if you had a 401k, like a big 401k, I heard this, I got to confirm this. Maybe somebody in comments can confirm, mm. confirm this. But I hear if if you get hit by a boss and you got a lot of your money, you're a lot of your wealth in a 401k, there's no stepped up tax basis for your children. And I'm like, what the, what is that? Really? Hmm. Yeah. In which, which one? Let's, yeah. let's the stepped up tax basis. So that, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. That's kind of on the, on the line. Yeah, that's true. Do you have a uh, mega backdoor Roth? No, uh, that's something I've been looking into, but then I shut down. <laughs> yeah, me too. I was, I got one, I got registered for one, but now I have to transfer money to it. But mm -hmm. for anybody who's yeah, not familiar, I totally forget the whole spiel about it. Um, you, it's like, a, it's like a super, super yeah, except, except the limitations, not like six and a half thousand dollars, but it was like 50, 52,000 per year, which is crazy. So hey. I mean, that, that's definitely worth, worth looking into for sure. That hey, is. Since it's about to be tax season, Graham, you know some interesting stuff about taxes. Hit us with some things here for a moment about that that maybe some people don't know about taxes, man. I know you know some crazy stuff. Uh, you, you've told me some stuff before that's just like wild and blows my mind. Uh, I think we were talking about cost segregation analysis with real yes. estate. I think that yes, was tell us about that if you don't mind. That's I crazy. Been doing that. I haven't done it. I okay. depreciate the properties on just a normal basis, just uh, Kevin has done cost segregation, I think, on all of your rentals, right? I looked into it, um, and in my situation, it didn't quite make sense for the cost, but Kevin has been doing a lot of that. Spill the beans. Basically, yeah. it's yeah. It, uh, it, so, it, it, so this works if you have either high cash flowing real estate or you are a real estate professional, like you're a real estate broker or you're like a you know property flipper, property developer or whatever. Uh, you basically can write off, like I could buy a $400,000 house, probably take $125,000 tax deduction, cost segregating the thing, which is insane. And I could use that to not only offset the cash flow of the property the first year, but also offset some of my income from other sources say YouTube, for example, uh, you know, that does create issues though, for if you want to go sell in the future, you can't, you can't like exchange that portion you cost segregated. 
you have less depreciation than for future years. You're kind of front loading a little bit. I mean, the IRS gets you one way or another. But yeah, there's there some there's some definitely some sweet ways you can you could reduce your tax bill. How does it work when you go to sell? How does it work like when you sell that property and you took out the the segregation costs out? So does that yeah, lower it, the value of the house when you sell or like low? How does that work? It does nothing for the actual value of the uh, property, but for tax purposes, let's mm -hmm. say I was going to sell one rental and buy another. I'm not able to to take that that portion that I segregated out, that 125k, and transfer that basis over. So technically, I'd have to pay taxes on that 125k or whatever. Uh, but if I just cost segregate the next property, then I offset that. <laughs> as right. long as you keep going into real estate. Oh, interesting. It's like step, yeah. step, step. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I don't really have big plans of selling real estate in the future. Like I just like, I like just continuously acquiring these things and we manage them and we just kind of keep them. They're just like little piggy banks. Actually, one of the interesting things I, I talked with Graham on his podcast was like, do you have any plans in the future of leveraging the resources that you've kind of accumulated right now? How, however much your net worth is maybe in the future and leveraging it to do something with it. Uh, more than just like let me let me make more of it like whether that's uh charitable causes yeah. it doesn't it doesn't have to be like altruistic donations or anything like that but like you know building a school or like whatever it is sure. are there any plans in the future for you yeah i mean i'd love to be part of and i don't know if politics is the way with funding or whatever but i'd love to be part of the solution that solves poverty uh, and that takes a lot of money yeah. so that that to me is like how, how can I get to a point of having so much net worth that I could actually even have a meaningful, put a meaningful, like have a meaningful impact on that fight? Because I, I just think poverty, look, if you're in poverty, you're two and a half times as likely to be a victim of violent crime. In my opinion, most crime problems are a result of poverty. So poverty is toxic, especially childhood poverty. Like, oh, I mean, I went through I thought I had a rough time going through my parents divorcing and like, you know, my dad almost going into foreclosure on, on our house at, at one point after all these lawyer fees and, and whatever, like that's crappy. But imagine just like, I mean, and we were, we were pretty poor at some points too, but we still had a car, we still had food, but I can't even imagine the, the, the people who are going hungry, the, the children who don't have enough to eat, like especially children, that makes me feel like crap, you know? So childhood poverty, poverty, that's, that's a big thing for me. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, Kevin, you would do well in politics. Before yeah, we I think wind this up, I think yeah. if you got politics and really started changing policies. Kevin for president. Have a, yeah, I'd vote for you, man. Well, I mean, thanks for that. I mean, Could you run for president or, or were you born here? I probably can't. Well, I know I can't actually because uh, of the- You weren't like, born here. I wasn't born here, which I honestly think is a stupid rule. It's it like, come on, like here since I'm one year old, am I really that different? <laughs> that's that's why I'm not president. Is really why <laughs> you you would be. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but Graham and I have touched on this, and the problem is, as soon as you get into politics, you have you have two issues. One, the big one Graham and I talked about is you have to pick a side. Mm -hmm. That's horrible. First of all, the second problem is they have so many, I'm sure, and I don't, I haven't really looked into this, but I know there are these divest, divestiture, I can't even say that right, divestiture rules, whatever, that basically now I probably have less capability to go make money buying stocks and real estate because now I'm a politician. And, yeah. and what, 
to get a, a, a $180,000 salary or whatever? Like, you know, it, 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 and how much change am I actually going to be able to make? The whole system's effed up. Yeah. Right. I mean, you might be able to have more change behind a camera making YouTube videos, talking. I think so, for sure. Yeah. And well, we need you here on YouTube, man. <laughs> Don't leave. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, we've been here for almost two hours. I know. Oh, wow. Yeah, we, we need to we need to like have a segment to end the show on. I feel like like a. I know. So we like appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for watching. Really appreciate it. Make sure to smash the like button, subscribe. Uh, for all the people watching this right now who haven't already subscribed, make sure to smash the subscribe button totally free. We don't even have ads on this channel yet. So if you subscribe right now, you're getting in before grandfathered in <laughs> free. So now you can say you subscribe before the ads. And, and we post every Tuesday at 6 PM Pacific. So come back for a new video. That's it. If you guys would have told me we didn't have ads on this, I wouldn't even have done this. This is ridiculous. There are too many people watching right now to not subscribe. You just yeah. take a quick second, just give it a little tap, and then you'll see us next week, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard you know, Time. What's, I have to say, Jeremy, I, was, I looked at, I don't know which video it was, but you posted a video yesterday, and somebody was like, man, four ads. It was like a 17-minute video, so I'm like, four ads, that's normal. But anyway, somebody was complaining about <laughs> it. And you replied, and you're like, come on, man. It was a big red day. I need the help. And <laughs> today, you should probably put like eight ads in. <laughs> you should. On the green page, no ads. It's just full, just my. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's the truth. Ads, Kevin lost a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Rough day. Oh, oh, guys. Well, hey, it's been fun. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Jeremy, Andre, Graham, maybe stick around for just one more second. I'm going to hit end uh, broadcast on this. Thank you all so much for being oh. here. And goodbye. See ya. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.